All right. MMA on the rocks. Episode number 48. Happy Sunday, everybody. Today's Sunday, May the 21st. Interaction. Uh, we got some drama going on in the UFC, some news we're going to talk about. I want to I hate to start things off on a on a bad note because I know we're gonna have some fun here as always, but uh, I have to mention the tragic passing of Chris Cornell, uh, rock star, lead singer of Soundgarden, big band from the '90s, and Audio Slave, uh, super band that was put together after Rage Against the Machine broke up, and uh, and solo recording artist. I, I thought some of his best stuff was uh, his acoustic stuff. So a, a big loss. Uh, for the music world, it seems like rock stars are sadly becoming extinct, and uh, you know that that's an unfortunate thing. And uh, I know somebody who might have a thing or two to say about this in particular. So I'll introduce my co-host Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, uh, aside from uh, the recent tragedy, how are you doing this uh, Sunday afternoon? And I know you want to weigh on, in on that a little bit. Yeah, I'm good, Bill. Just trying to figure out what's up with the weather because um, <clears throat> up here in the Northeast, the last few days before the weekend, it was unbelievably hot. Wednesday was 94. Yesterday was like 50-something. I don't know what's going on. This weather is more indecisive than my ex-girlfriend, dude. Um, <laughs> so just weather, tell me what you want. Yeah, right? Last last week we were doing this episode, you were like bundled up in a winter coat and a wool hat. And now <laughs> now it looks like you got your you you buzzed your hair off, you're in a t-shirt, you you're chilling over there. Yeah, but um but anyway, before we get uh any further with uh the duplicity of the weather, I um you know, I wasn't too big of a fan of Soundgarden just because I don't know them that well, but um <clears throat> Excuse me, but Chris Cornell, um, his work with Audio Slave, I loved. Man, I grew up listening to Audio Slave. Even now, on my drives to work, uh, I'm listening to Audio Slave. Uh, he was just an artist, man, um, in every sense of the word. He just—I can't believe, you know, how many legends have gone in the last couple of years. They're starting to become an endangered species. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so tragic. I mean, only fifty two years old, um, seemed to have everything going for him. But you never know what's going on in somebody's head. I I always feel like when you have so much talent, there's always there's always some kind of universal barter there. Like it has to come with a certain amount of demons, um, and and that's unfortunate. And I think some of the we see that with some of the most talented people i think it's very rare that you you find people with extreme talent that are also you know mentally well balanced um but yeah such a great talent the the control he had over his voice was ridiculous and uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say i was the biggest fan of soundgarden or audio slave uh, but i i did really enjoy his music um and it I think what what really stings about it is the fact that there's you know we're running out of rock stars really I mean he was one of the he's one of the last uh great frontmen uh of our generation anyway um and I remember when Audio Slave first came out I didn't want to like them because I was a big Rage Against the Machine fan and uh for those who don't know 
Audio Slave is the band from Rage Against the Machine. So Tom Morello, the guitar player, and the rest of the crew. And uh, I was like, it, they sounded completely different. But then, you know, I, I grew to accept it because they came out with some pretty awesome songs. It's, and it's amazing that they were able to produce like two completely different bands. You know, you had like a rap front man, but basically a rapper. And then you are able to have another successful band with a singer. So uh, I'm sure they're going to they're gonna do something else and stay relevant in the music scene. But yeah, tragic loss, uh, Chris Cornell. So um, I'll, uh, I'll turn the ship over to you, Jeff, because I know you had a couple of topics that you wanted to bring up on the show today. So... Uh, and uh, I, I'm moving in slow motion because I did the uh, <laughs> I did the loaded Joe's podcast last <laughs> night and Friday night, so two nights in a row of loaded Joe's, and uh, the name is not at all misleading. Uh, <laughs> there was a so uh, my my new my new friend Blake or uh, Money Blakeweather, as he calls himself, is the host of uh, Loaded Joe's MMA podcast, and uh, he's been awesome recently. Um, you know, pushing MMA on the rocks, which which I appreciate, and uh, invited us into uh, his Facebook community where he has all people who do MMA podcasts in there, and there's just there's an awesome amount of positivity in there, and everybody's encouraging each other, and. Uh, you know, you, you realize that you're not so isolated doing this podcasting thing, which it, it can feel like that sometimes. You know, sometimes it just feels like we're we're talking in a bubble here, but then you realize that that people actually are listening. You know, even if they're not engaging all the time, uh, you know, we we may be helping people get through their commutes or or uh, get through work and everything like that, and that's an awesome feeling. So, shout out to Loaded Joe's if if you guys don't listen to it and you're a fan of this show. Uh, you would definitely like Loaded Joe's. It's the same sort of thing. Uh, he has on fighters, and he drinks beers, and, and it's very relaxed and laid back. And uh, But, yeah, two nights in a row of that. Uh, I'm moving a little slower today because uh, I was just, you know, we did, I think, like three hours last night because we just kept going. We were, like, on a roll. And uh, I think you could check that out on uh, on Facebook if you want to see those episodes see a little bit of a different side of me because I usually don't talk about myself on this uh, podcast for whatever reason and and Blake was one of the people who pointed that out to me he said I'm like so mysterious I don't really mean to be I just uh, <laughs> I just don't usually talk about myself but yeah check out that podcast and uh, check out the uh, the loaded Joe's community uh, because it, it's really cool, and, and there's a lot of great uh, MMA podcasts out there, and uh, I, I'm just scratching the surface trying to catch up with everybody involved in there, but there's a lot of great stuff. So with all that, uh, if you don't have any uh, commentary on the on the Loaded Joe's plug, Jeff, uh, go ahead and take the, take the wheel and, and steer us home. Yeah, just real quick, um, I did tune in to yesterday's uh, Facebook video, and it, it was cool, man. Uh, I love the crossover. Uh, as you know, Bill, I'm a big superhero nerd, so um, one thing that I love is, like, the CW has a whole bunch of uh, superhero TV shows, and every now and then, all three or all four of them will come together to, like, fight off some alien invasion. <laughs> so I love it. It's like, it's like we're the Flash, we're Arrow. 
I guess that would make me Supergirl. Um, <laughs> but, but um, you know, it's awesome. So much positivity from the whole MMA podcast community. Shout out to Blake Stevenson. He's always given us positivity and awesome plugs. So, Blake, if you're out there, awesome. You're amazing. Um, I loved getting to know a little bit more of your backstory, too, yesterday. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, go check out uh, last night's feed. Uh, I unfortunately couldn't catch the whole thing because at one point it just cut off for some reason. Um, yeah, uh, we had some technical difficulties, and there was a lot of alcohol consumed. And um, he he thinks that the, the last hour or so might have been lost, and it's probably for the best because uh, it, it got a little ugly. Towards the end, it wasn't it wasn't my proudest moment in broadcasting, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it did cut off kind of abruptly. But we did cover a lot of ground in that in those first two hours. It was it was a lot different than uh, than anything I've really done on uh, in podcasting before. I like the superhero analogy that you could you compared <laughs> me to a superhero. Like if there was ever a surplus of beer in the world. Uh, you know, then Loaded Joe's and MMA on the Rocks would have to join forces and <laughs> and uh, take care of that for the good of mankind. <laughs> yeah, we can't have all that beer going to waste now. But um, anyway, moving on, we had a pretty loaded um, weekend of MMA, despite there not being a UFC card, but someone who did put on a card was Bellator. And I got to say, Bill, I was tuned in for most of it. I was getting a little tired towards the end, but overall I thought this was an awesome card. So I'm just going to run down uh, the main event, which was the Red King making his Bellator debut, Rory McDonald. And he gave the Englishman Paul Daly a royal ass whooping, man. Uh, that's really the only way I can describe it. He was Rory McDonald was great on the feet. And he knocked down Paul Daly a few times. And on the ground, he was even more fierce. And the fight finished at the beginning of the second round, I believe, with a rear naked choke. Paul Daly tapped to Rory McDonald almost instantly. I mean, he, he had to have that thing sunk in tight. Yeah, it was it was a really cool choke because um, it was he sunk it in and he was basically in uh, what I would call like a K-mount which he didn't really have his hooks on the back. He had uh, kind of one leg across Paul Daly's stomach and the other leg just kind of uh, straddling behind him. Uh, but the way he got under his neck and had that instant pressure, uh, it must have just been crushing his windpipe. It looked super tight. So although... You know, there may have been an opportunity. You know, there may be, there may have been some jujitsu people out there watching, saying like, "Oh, if he just, you know, got his right shoulder on the mat, he could have scooted out of that." But uh, if you've ever been in like a really crushing choke, it, it really doesn't matter if the hooks are there or not. If you're getting crushed by a high-level person, and it feels like an anaconda is just is just crushing all the bones in your neck and your windpipe. Uh, you know, it's it could be devastating. But, yeah, I, I was impressed with how uh, easily he was able to take Paul Daly down because Paul Daly has got some solid uh, takedown defense. Uh, he has known to have a weakness against wrestlers. Uh, but I thought, I thought uh, Rory was going to have to get a little more creative to get Paul Daly to the mat, but... 
you know, he just in the first round, he took him down with just an aggressive single leg. And uh, in the second round, he threw him off with like a front kick to the face. And as Paul Daly kind of stumbled back, which is weird to see such a high level striker stumble uh, back to a, a front kick. Uh, that's when Rory took advantage and, and shot in. I think I think Paul Daly was focused on the takedown, and he didn't see that kick coming, and that caught him off guard, and that allowed uh, that allowed uh, Rory to to put on an impressive grappling display. And then I thought it was kind of classless of Paul Daly in the post fight interview to say, "Oh well, you know, he didn't stand and fight with me." So. Uh, oh, and Michael Page is a pussy. It's like, dude, come on! You just <laughs> you just got choked out, and you t- you tapped, you submitted. This is an MMA fight. If you wanted and go compete in kickboxing, which he could easily do, he's a phenomenal striker. But you know, if you got if you got beat in mixed martial arts by someone performing mixed martial arts, uh, it, it's kind of classless to say, you know, like, oh, he didn't stand and fight with me. He, you know, he doesn't have to like you don't get taken down and then he has to stand and fight with you. So that's how this works. Uh, but I believe he, he called Michael page a pussy four times in the post fight interview. And, uh, so I guess he doesn't really want to diversify his insults there, but what do you think about that potential matchup? Obviously Rory McDonald is going to take on, uh, the winner of the Lima fight. Uh, for the championship, but what do you think about Daly and Michael Venom Page? You know, I'd like to see that just to see Paul Daly uh, get embarrassed because I agree with you. You know, it's it's like, dude, you know, just you lost. It happens. And Roy McDonald, he's a guy who was at the top of the UFC for a very long time. You know, there's no shame in losing to him, of all people. I mean, yeah, he, uh, Roy McDonald hasn't won a fight since about 2014, I want to say. But let's look at who he lost. He lost to Robbie Lawler twice. <clears throat> he lost to Wonderboy yep. uh, Stephen Thompson. Like, dude, that, that's a murderer's row of of top welterweights. So, you know, it's not like Paul Daly went and lost to a nobody. Um, so I would love to see Michael Venom Page versus Daly. I feel like Daly would be a very good test for Venom Page. Um, I also feel like the opposite is true, where Page will be a good test for Paul Daly. And I'm excited to see Rory McDonald compete for the welterweight championship. I wanna. I feel like he is someone who deserves to be a champion because of all the hard work he's put in. And he's one of these like new generation MMA guys, one of the first, I would say, to really train everything together and not focus on just one aspect of MMA and then add everything else on later. Yeah, for sure. Um, and not to mention that I, he lost his losses were to high-level competition, but in between those two losses to Robbie Lawler, he had dominant performances and wins over the current champ, Tyra Woodley, Damian Maya the current number one contender and uh, Tarek Safadine, who's uh, an awesome kickboxer. And, uh, you know, he was very competitive. He's obviously very competitive with the elite. And uh, I was glad to see him take some time off after that last loss, because uh, I mean, his nose shattering is a problem and you, you have to be a little concerned about that with him going in there against Paul Daly, who's known for smashing people's faces that are intact. And, uh, so I'm glad he took some time to recover. I I worry about Rory McDonald 
being able to market himself because I know he has a personality. I've I've seen glimpses of it, but it just doesn't come through. I mean, he's got kind of like this serial killer vibe going on that works for him, but uh, he he needs. I'd like to see him get a little more recognition, and I feel like he needs to have a little more punch uh, when he gets on the microphone, so to speak. I mean, his post-fight interview, he's, he was basically like, 170-pound division, I'm coming to take your health. And, and it was it was like it was creepy and like it was kind of scary in its own way, but then it was also kind of confused. Like, what do you what do you mean? Like, I I think he was trying. Like, <laughs> like, I was waiting for a political speech. Like in Canada, we have free health care, and I know you don't have it here, so I'm going to take your health. And it, you won't be able to take care of it. <laughs> like, I was, uh, You'll have to nice. pay for your care. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Um, You're all stuck with Trump care or whatever <laughs> whatever the new whatever this new health care act is they're, they're trying to pass. I'm not too well read on it, so let's not get into that. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, Roy McDonald, doesn't, he's not super elegant in on Mike. Um, I think his insults could use a little bit of work. Um, <laughs> like I, I actually started laughing too. I was like, uh, when he said that about the taking the health thing, I was like, so you're cancer now? Like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's a disease. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we're, we're talking about it. So maybe, maybe it does help his marketing, but I feel like the casual fan is going to, if they don't know him and know like his personality like we do which is i think why we find it funny they're gonna be like what's what's wrong with this guy <laughs> and uh, like he doesn't have that like he doesn't have that drawing power and he should i mean he's been involved in some of the most epic fights in the division's history and in the sports history i mean his last fight with robbie lawler was ridiculous i mean arguably one of the gr the greatest fight of all time. I, I wouldn't be mad at anybody who thought that. Uh, I don't know if it's my number one, but it's definitely up, up there. Top three, top five, maybe. I, you know, that's a fight you could watch over and over. It has that it has that effect. But yeah, I would I would like to see him get more credit. So um I don't know. I don't know what Bellator is gonna do with him. They they try to build him up. It was so awkward when they first signed him because he came out at an event and, uh, you know, wasn't that great on the microphone. And they're like, so Rory McDonald's here and he's fighting a year from now. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was awkward. Uh, but you know, I, I hope for the best for him. And, uh, I, I hope, I hope he becomes a champion as well. Cause he definitely deserves it. The, uh, the co-main event, uh, Henzo Gracie black belt Liam McGeary got submitted with an arm triangle choke by Linton Vassell in the third round. Uh, did what did you think of this fight, Jeff? I know you're a McGeary. Yeah, I am a fan of Liam McGeary. Uh, he was training in Hoboken for a little bit, but he's mostly out of uh, Henzo Gracie NYC. But um, I was a little surprised, man. Uh, he's a jujitsu black belt. We've seen him submit guys like Tito Ortiz. So for Linton uh, Vassell or Vassell, I don't know how to say it, but uh, for him to come out and submit Liam McGeary, 
uh, that's a tall order, man. That's that's not uh, something that you just turn the other cheek. That's impressive. And the he was dominating in the first round. Second round, Liam McGeary started pretty hot. But then in the third round, Vassell, just as soon as the round started, he put McGeary on his back and let him know he was there. So uh, credit to Linton Vassell, man. You just beat a former light heavyweight champion, a guy who's got a couple of notches under his belt. You know, that's impressive. That's not easy to come by. Yeah, and and let's not forget Liam McGeary's last fight went five rounds, basically getting controlled on the ground by Phil Davis the entire fight, and uh, Phil Davis couldn't submit him. Yeah. So I I don't know if it if it was a case of him even just getting tired. I mean, it could have been. Uh, but you know, if if you can go five rounds of Phil Davis on the ground, tired, uh, for three rounds, so it could just be the skills of of Vassell. Uh, let's yep. say his name is pronounced Vassell. I'm not really sure either, but uh we'll we'll go with we'll go with Vassell. And uh yeah, so hopefully uh big things for him in the future and hopefully Liam McGeary uh bounces back because he definitely has the potential to be a contender again. I don't think it I don't think this knocks him too far down the ladder in a division that's not very deep in Bellator in the light heavyweight division. Uh Czech Congo had a split decision uh win over Augusto Sakai. Any thoughts on that fight, Jeff? Uh, this fight wasn't too exciting for me, Bill. Um, you know, Czech Congo, he kind of just went out there and handled his business, you know. Uh, he didn't do anything super exciting. Sakai looked like if it had gone maybe two rounds, I think Sakai would have won. He was doing a good job of stuffing Congo's takedowns every now and then. He wasn't taking too much damage. But Congo kind of just cut him off. He wouldn't. He kept him up against the cage the whole time. Um, again, this fight didn't do too much for me. But the rest of the card was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. There's some awesome knockouts uh, and, and finishes. So uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr., or Baby Slice as they call him, the uh, the son of, of Kimbo Slice, the late Kimbo Slice, uh, had a TKO in the first round against uh, Dariel Griffin. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I wasn't a fan of Bellator promoting Kimbo's son because I feel like it's it's capitalizing on a man's death to make money. And uh, granted, he looked good in the fight. It, he shows he definitely has some skills. Um, you know, he's got he's got crazy punching power. Uh, you know, much like his father. And uh, but I mean, he was zero and one. Why are you putting a guy who's zero one against a guy making his debut on your main card? Uh, and then the other thing about this card that was weird too is that it was it was pre-recorded because it aired in in England during uh, prime time there. So they re they recorded it, and then there were clips of what had happened going around the internet. So a lot of people knew the results before this even aired on Spike TV. So. Uh, I, I wasn't, so again, I, I wasn't too happy with, uh, with them marketing, uh, Kimbo Slice's son like that, uh, you know, trying to, it, it's almost like, you know, you have to take over your parents' gambling debt or something, you know, like if, if the kid is talented, great, build him up on the undercard or let him fight in some local promotions and build his record a little bit, uh, instead of putting him on a main card because even then if he if he loses and and gets embarrassed 
you know, how's that going to feel for him where he's like trying to fill his dad's shoes? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of it. What I was a fan of, and I'm going to jump down the card a little bit, Jeff, and then I'll let you, uh, I'll let you fill in the blanks for, for the things that you enjoyed about this. Uh, Fabian Edwards with one of the most beautiful flying knee knockouts uh, in the first round of his fight. Uh, this kid looked awesome and explosive and, uh, you know, the, the flying knees are plentiful, it seems, in Bellator. So uh, that was his pro debut. So he's 4-0 as an amateur, and uh, he really made a splash. A British fighter, so he was in front of his hometown audience. Uh, did you catch that one, Jeff? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> dude, it, it was nuts, man. Um, just... It was one and done with that flying knee. His opponent, Rafael Serjovsky, just he didn't know where he was. I mean, he probably woke up and thought it was still last week, dude. Uh, that was a devastating <laughs> knee. Yeah, man, it was a devastating knee. Nice finish from Fabian Edwards. I, I actually had forgotten about that fight, but I'm glad you brought it up because uh, that, that was a fun one to watch too. Awesome. So, yeah, if you, if you missed that one, uh, check, check that out. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, anything else you want to touch on on this card, Jeff, that really jumped out to you? Yeah, just one more TKO was Alex Lahore. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Defeated Dan Edwards by TKO, and it was just nuts, man. This dude's got crazy power. Um, it looked like he was doing pretty well during the whole fight, but the way he finished was just spectacular. Um, his right hand is like a sniper shot, man. So, you know, overall, I thought this was a really good car for, card from Bellator. Even if it was pre-recorded, you know, I enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. So uh, this is one I would definitely suggest to for anybody who missed it, go back and watch it again because it was a really good card from Bellator. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I, my only issue with it was that I wish it was live. Uh, it, I, unfortunately, I was going through – Instagram and I saw some results before uh, before the show came on Spike and uh, you know that's always kind of a buzzkill but it, it was still awesome fights to watch I still went and uh, and watched watched the main card through on Spike so really cool and uh, you know a lot of lot of bright futures in Bellator for sure they're definitely building that roster up nicely all right uh, Invicta had a card last night. Uh, the only fighter I really want to talk about is uh, the happy warrior, Roxanne Madaffrey. And the reason I want to bring her up is a TKO win last night with uh, elbows. Pretty pretty vicious. And she's a, she's a great fighter. She's fought for the title in Invicta a couple times. And uh, UFC, the reason I bring her up specifically is because she's a flyweight, 125 pounds, and the UFC... Uh, has announced that they're going to do uh, season 26 of The Ultimate Fighter, and it's going to be women's flyweights. Now, a, a lot of women have uh, canceled fights that they were supposed to have recently and, uh, in order to go to the auditions. And I'm kind of wondering, and I think I talked to Blake about this last night, but I don't really remember because, uh, you know, it was very loaded, loaded Joe's podcast. But, um, I, I'm kind of wondering if Roxanne is going to appear on this show because I would think she would be one of the perfect candidates for this 
weight class. Um, she's a killer. She's fought for a title before. And uh, I, if you're gonna make a, if you're gonna make this weight class in the UFC, uh, I would think you're gonna bring in some of these Invicta girls, and she would be close to the top of my list. So, any thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Bill. And I always liked Roxanne, but I didn't like her at 135, which is where she was when she was in the UFC. I felt like she was a little small, was lacking in power for that weight class, but she's looked awesome at 125. And, dude, she came out dressed as a Power Ranger. I <laughs> Did mean, she really? <laughs> yeah. I got to um, look up pictures of that. Yeah, she's come out dressed in, like, uh, anime as an anime character, uh, she's a cosplay fan. So, dude, I'm a geek. She's a geek. I, I got a place in my heart for her, man. I, I love watching Roxanne go to work. And um, as the happy warrior, she's she's so calm in her demeanor. So the happy warrior is basically her in a nutshell. And I know that's an oxymoron, but, I mean, <laughs> she's awesome. She's such a nice person, but, you know, she can put it on when the lights are on and she's in that cage. Yeah, man. Uh, and she really is a warrior. I mean, 34 fights, I believe, now. She's fought all over the world. She's mm -hmm. fought in the UFC. You know, she's been to the top of Invicta. So uh, hopefully she gets on that show. Uh, I, I would like to see uh, a little more of that personality on the reality show, maybe. Uh, this is an opportunity, of course, for the, the UFC to not only build a division, but uh, build up some more of these female stars who definitely deserve the spotlight. All right, uh, what's what's the next topic you got on your list there? Bill, Bill, um, I'm super disappointed because, unfortunately, TJ Dillashaw is not going to be fighting Cody Garbrandt for the 135-pound belt. And you actually told me this. Cody Garbrandt is currently in Germany undergoing some back uh, stuff. They were trying to use stem cells, I believe, to fix a back injury that he had, and he was training while um, the stem cells were in place, so I guess his body didn't react very well to it, and he's going to try something else in Germany. But um, the issue here is now, who do you have as the main event for UFC 212, which is where they were supposed to fight? Yeah, so unfortunate circumstances. Apparently, he tore something in his back, and uh, he did a stem cell treatment here, and it didn't work. So he called the UFC and said, "You know, the fight's got to be off. I need to recover," because he tried to he tried to go back to training too soon, and it pushed too hard, and and threw his back out again. And uh, you know, that's what happens when you're at this level and you're training so hard. And the UFC was like, hold on, we have a specialist in Germany, and they flew him out there. Uh, to my knowledge, he just arrived back in in Sacramento. That's according to his Instagram stories anyway. And uh, I know you're not on Instagram, Jeff, so uh, uh, I like to keep you updated on, <laughs> on those things. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he did the treatments there, but from what I understand, the fight is not going to happen. And I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed, especially since tickets went on sale and it's being marketed as Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. And they got the reality show and everything uh, hyping it up, even though it's the lowest ratings ever for the ultimate fighter, uh, which I, I've been watching this season. This is uh, 
this is one of the first ones in a while that that I've actually been into and and watching consistently because I kind of lost touch with it for a while. But I think that's the case. I think people just kind of forgot about it. And uh, anyway, so people who already bought tickets for that are going to be disappointed. I don't know what you do uh, for the main event there. Uh, I mean, do you do you have an another interim title fight like I? Do you have do you make TJ wait? Do you make TJ fight? Because then what happens if if TJ fights and loses, then you lose the opportunity to have you know this grudge match with Cody Garbrandt. Uh, I, I'm sure Dominic Cruz would love to get in there with TJ Dillashaw again. Uh, would TJ want to risk his number one contender spot because he's sitting on a title shot right now? Uh, he has come out and said that he would fight. He would drop to 125 and fight Mighty Mouse, which, you know, that's that's a big cut. Or or maybe Mighty Mouse could come up and they could have Lord Mighty Mouse to to try and uh, break the title streak record. He just tied Anderson Silva's title defense record. Uh, I know I went off on a bit of a tangent there. So, what are your reactions to anything I just said? Yeah, super disappointed about uh, Garbrandt versus Dillashaw not happening. And just one quick correction, Bill. I made a mistake. It's not UFC 212. They were supposed to fight at UFC 213, which is July 8th. And, you know, as for the – real quick, just to go back to the Ultimate Fighter, I think this season has been interesting, man. Uh, I've loved the idea of bringing back former fighters, fighters who have had some issues um, – in the Ultimate Fighter, um, I love the Garbrandt versus Dillashaw hostility. Every episode, they're going at each other. I love it. I don't know why people aren't watching because it's really entertaining. Um, so, as for the main event, I don't know what you do, man. I mean, I'd love to see Dillashaw versus Mighty Mouse for the 125 belt, but I don't know if Dillashaw could even make 125. Um, you know, you have that yeah. problem. And, but. I would like to see it because, and we've said this a thousand times on this show, Mighty Mouse has cleaned out the division. So Dillashaw coming in would add such a new dynamic. And I feel like Dillashaw is one of the few guys who could really challenge um, Mighty Mouse. He's got a similar, Dillashaw's got a similar frame to Dominic Cruz. And, you know, he's a very good striker, very good wrestler. But. Uh, we'll see what the UFC says. Um, now, Bill, let me throw something at you because overall this card looks really good. Uh, and I'm just going to read off some of the fights here. We have Pettis versus Miller, uh, Jim Miller versus Anthony Pettis, which, listen, I'll pay good money to see that fight, dude. Yeah, um, hell yeah. Verdum versus Overeem, I'd like to see that. Lawler versus Cerrone, which, honestly, if you made that the main event, I'd be happy. Um Sure. And then the co-main event, as of right now, is Amanda Nunez versus Shevchenko. So do you see any of those fights stepping up to be the main event, even if they are not fighting for a title? No. I think the UFC will not put a non-title fight ahead of a title fight on a pay-per-view card or a fight night. That would just be a PR nightmare. Uh, it's because if you take uh, two women who are fighting for a championship and you make them the co-main event to a non-title fight, uh, that's just a bad look 
for the UFC. So if they're not going to add another title fight to that card, then uh, Nunez Shevchenko has to be the main event, which I'm excited for that fight. There's a, a little bit of bad blood there, it seems, from the press conferences they've been at. They they got into a shoving match and everything. Uh, I don't think it'll move the needle. I don't think it'll do uh, many pay-per-view buys. Maybe uh, maybe half a million. Uh, they only going to get the hardcore fans on that one. You're not going to get any. You're not going to get any casual fans, especially with Amanda Nunez not even being marketed in her last title defense against Ronda Rousey because every commercial only had Ronda Rousey's face on it, which you know was a big mistake because you know they put all their eggs in one basket and that basket got dumped upside down and had all the eggs stumped, <laughs> so to speak, to uh, to <laughs> to drag an analogy out. But um, yeah, it's gonna have to be Nunez versus Shevchenko unless they come up with another title fight to headline that. Maybe maybe they just turn it into a fight night and uh, not make it a pay per view. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll be stubborn and and keep it a pay per view. But yep. Okay. So one last thing. Um, I'm looking at next week. So next Sunday, the UFC are putting on a fight night in, I believe, Stockholm, Sweden again. And yeah. honestly, I don't see too many fights that stick out to me. Um, maybe Trevor Smith versus Chris Camozzi. I don't know how you feel about that. But uh, I did want to talk about the main event just a little bit because we have Alexander Gustafsson, who is one of my personal favorite fighters, versus Glover Teixeira. So what do you think, Bill? Give me some stats on both of these guys and what do you think their advantages are in terms of this fight against each other? This is an interesting one. Uh, both of these guys have been, you know, hot hot and cold lately. Obviously, uh, Glover Teixeira looked awesome in his last fight. He wanted to take on one of the young up-and-comers, uh, Jared Cannonier, and, and dominated him pretty well. Uh, in that fight, and then he had the the vicious 13-second knockout loss to Anthony Johnson right before that. And, uh, you know, he's put together little, some nice little winning streaks, uh, and the same thing can be said for Gustafson. You know, he's he's hit some speed bumps. He's had his moments where he looked awesome, and then he's had his moments where you wonder if it's the same guy. Hmm. just have to question, like, is he – is he still as invested in this? I mean, he hasn't fought since uh, September when he when he defeated uh, Jan Blakovich. And, you know, before that, he lost three out of four, but those three out of four that he lost were Daniel Cormier, the number the, or the champion, <laughs> uh, John Jones, the number one contender champion. I, I don't know. He still carries a belt around. And Anthony Johnson. So... Uh, I don't know. It depends. It depends which. It depends if the Mauler shows up or if Alexander Gustafson, the dude, shows up. Uh, I think is going to be the difference in this fight. Uh, it seems like Glover has found some new motivation. So, uh, based on their last performances alone. I, I would say Glover Teixeira should have a slight edge, but then you have the home field advantage for Alexander Gustafson. So this is really a pick 'em for me. What do you think? 
Yeah, I like what you were saying about Alexander kind of being in his own head a little bit. And Glover, yeah, he put on a show the last time he was out. So he's definitely uh, built up ahead of steam. Gustafson, like you said, we'll see if the Mahler shows up. And Bill, I'll be honest with you, I'm a fan of both of these guys. I've been following them for a while now. And honestly, I'd love to see the winner of this fight get a shot against either John Jones or Daniel Cormier, who are set to fight in July as well. Uh, so what do you think? Do you think this could be a title eliminator? I don't just because I think uh, Jimmy Manua has been unofficially uh, granted a title shot. And then I feel like if if uh, Cormier wins against John Jones – uh, depending how he wins, like if it's a close decision, you, you got to do a trilogy right away. It, that's just what has to happen. Uh, if, uh, if Cormier loses, I feel like he, he might retire. Um, that's, that's kind of the feeling I get. I, I feel like the only thing he has left on his bucket list is to beat John Jones. And if he can't do that, he might feel like he has to walk away. Um, so I don't think I don't think this fight will be a title eliminator. I think uh, they would have to win very impressively and then do some impressive microphone work, which neither one of them is known for. Uh, and so I don't see I don't see both of those things happening. I think it's going to be a close fight. I think it's going to be a war. I think it'll probably go to the distance. So I don't think there's going to be that you know impressive highlight real finished i mean there could be they both have the ability for sure but um and then the whoever does that would have to get on the microphone and talk some shit and i don't see either of them doing that so to answer your question no i don't see this being a, a title eliminator Okay, so, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting look to the light heavyweight division uh, with everything that's going on. So we'll see. Like you said, Jimmy Manuel has been racking up a couple wins lately. And uh, after his last fight, I can't remember exactly who it was against, but I remember being shocked after because he, he – I remember it ended in a spectacular finish. So It was uh, Corey Anderson. Yes. Um, yeah, he basically kicked the shit out of him. So, um, yep. so yeah, uh, interesting picture in the light heavyweight division. But uh, that's all I got for you today, Bill. Anything you want to add or any thoughts on the the podcast you did with uh, Blake over the weekend? Because I know you had uh, two of them at least. Yeah, we did. I, I did like a quick cameo Friday night. Uh, he, he was doing like a reunion show and uh, I just called in for like 15 minutes and we didn't even end up talking any MMA. We were just talking straight uh, booze, which is, you know, one of my other favorite things to talk about, obviously. Uh, that's why we got MMA on the rocks here. And uh, I will. So no, no other comments on that. I mean, go check them out and go check out Loda Joe's podcast in general. It's a, it's a good show. And if you're a fan of this show, you would likely be a fan of that show as well. Uh, the only other thing is a new YouTube video coming up this week. Uh, I didn't get to do my uh, rum cocktail last week, and then I wound up uh, drinking all the rum, so I had to go and... <laughs> so that's and, uh, where the rum has gone. That's where the rum is gone. It's gone inside of me. <laughs> and, uh, so I had to get another bottle, and I did... Uh, I filmed the new 
video. It's the the Black Pearl Black Spice Rum cocktail. Uh, I think you guys are going to like it. So that'll be up on YouTube uh, sometime next week. Uh, it's just got to be edited, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun one, and I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, have you been sipping on anything interesting lately, Jeff? You know, Bill, I just haven't had time, unfortunately. Um, but uh, the last thing I drank was that I finally got to try the Gold Rush, and I told you it was it was a poor man's version because I couldn't get any honey <laughs> and I couldn't get any lemon juice. So um, the bartender got a uh, Jack Daniel's honey, which is uh, whiskey just made with honey already in it, and yeah. cut up a lemon and threw some juice in there. So you know, poor man's version of the Gold Rush, but I enjoyed it. It's something I definitely want to make at home in the future. Nice, yeah, I I, I like the. Uh... I like the Gold Rush cocktail. It, it sounds interesting. I'd like to try it with the Jack Honey or uh, Jim Beam Honey. It, it's pretty nice. And uh, Wild Turkey does a really nice. Their American Honey is uh, is super smooth, super smooth uh, honey honey bourbon. Uh, so you don't have to have all the ingredients. Uh, I try to keep these videos simple because I know people don't. If they're like me, they don't want to make complicated cocktails. Uh, they just want something that's quick and tastes good. So that's why I don't believe in measuring. I don't believe in a ton of ingredients. I try to keep them to three ingredients. Um, and yeah, I got some I got some fun stuff planned. Uh, you guys uh, on Twitter had said that you wanted some rum and tequila recipes. So that's what I've been working on putting together for you. So rum and tequila on the horizon for sure. And I think that'll about do it for this Sunday afternoon. If you want to get in touch with Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. He's been tweeting like a madman lately. So uh, get at him with your mixed martial arts opinions and uh, drink recipes because he will try them eventually. If you want to get a hold of me, of course, <laughs> it's at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can see our faces now when we do this because I've been posting the video version of these episodes as well. So if you want to uh, take a look at our faces while we're breaking down this stuff, and if you don't, then you can continue listening on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platforms. And uh, that's all we got for this week. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>